All right, Jackson. Here we go. Back <laughs> together in person. Man, it's, I know. It feels good. Yeah. Much preferred over the phone, you know. Yeah, tomorrow tomorrow morning, our last phone episode will be released. So That'll be out. So we're, people have already heard it. Straight out of New Hampshire. Right out of there. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that turned out to be one of the never ending trips. The New Hampshire one did. Yeah. All right. Before, let's talk about that. But first, I want to get this right out of the way. We're going to start trying to release podcasts on Thursday instead of Wednesday. Mm-hmm. The reason being is our editing usually takes a minimum of two full days. And so when we record on the weekend, the editor gets it Monday, so Monday and Tuesday, and then at some point on Wednesday, you get it back. Sometimes it's early in the morning, sometimes it's late afternoon. So giving one more day and releasing on Thursday, I think is going to make things a little more consistent. Yeah, I think so. Try and keep up our bi-weekly. I yep. mean bi-monthly. <laughs> Not bi-weekly, bi-monthly. Anyway. Oh, actually, speaking of a little housekeeping, while we're on the subject of housekeeping, let me see if I can find this. I got a little voice message from a listener that I think we're just going to share. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. Little surprise for you, huh? Will it be loud enough? Yeah, I think I'm going to try this because it should play it over speaker and I'm going to stick it right on the microphone. This little background for this, this comes from Garrett Ness, who grew up in South Dakota. And, oh, sorry, Garrett, you live, I want to say in Oregon, Oregon, Washington, Anyway, he's followed on Instagram for, for quite a while and he sent me this voice message and I just thought it was good that I wanted to share it because it's like, yeah. Hey, Jax, this is Garrett. I'm the one that sent you the shirts with the yellow and green with you feeder built on it, my grandpa's. Just driving back from South Dakota, actually. Been listening to your podcast, laughing my ass off, honestly. I think they're awesome. Reminds me of all the time growing up trucking with my grandpa, all the weird adventures, breakdowns, all the weird loads, and all the goofy places you'd have to go. And I mean, it brings back a lot of memories. A lot of, a lot of memories of old trucks, repair jobs, stuff like that. Definitely, definitely a good podcast. Glad you guys are really doing that. So just wanted to reach out and uh, see how you're doing. Hopefully you're having a good hay season. I know moisture has been a lot better this year and stuff. And it cuts off. But sorry for the little curse in there. That was good. I think that kind of encapsulates a lot of what many people feel when they listen to the podcast. Just this kind of walk back down old memory lane. You're like happy. It makes you laugh and smile, but it makes you a little homesick at the same time for all that stuff. But I, when he sent that over, I listened and I was like, man, that is, that is... Very nice. That's good. So thanks, Garrett. Appreciate the support. So I've been irrigating this last week. I kind of ran into a lease of a few acres and a few extra acres, and it's got old wheel lines on it. Hmm. What do you think of wheel lines? I'm curious about this because I've lowered, I wanted to pivot on the ranch back home so bad, but I'm just seeing, I just, I don't know that it's going to happen. So I've kind of lowered my sights a little to maybe a wheel line because they're, quite a bit more affordable if you buy them used. And so I'm kind of, anyway, what's your, what's your impression? Well, if you've got kids to move them, yeah. it's probably great. Uh-huh. Move them twice a day, right? Morning and night. Depends on how long your sets are. Yeah. 
I mean, if it's a 12 hour set, then twice. If it's a 24 hour set, once. You know, one time when I was irrigating for Billy Jack, he had like one pivot at the time and a couple, couple different wheel lines. And at night, the last thing you'd do for the day, you'd, you'd start at about mm, nine o'clock, eight, eight forty-five. You'd go around to make what was called your night sets. And if you're flood irrigating with ditches and tarps, you have to, there's only certain parts of the field that you can do night sets on. And so sometimes night sets take a little while to set up. If you've been working on a short set part of the field where you can only set the water there for a couple hours at a time, you have to go out and reroute the water to a different ditch so you can send it on a night set, we called them. And every field had a night set. So you'd have to go out and, you know, for maybe six different fields, get the tarp set up and push your night sets out, right? And they were always really important because you had to make sure that dam was set really good because it had to hold for like 10 hours. Otherwise, you could encounter what we call a washout. And there was nothing worse than going out in the morning to just seeing your dam washed out, just laying on the side of the ditch in the water. That means the water's just run to the end of the ditch and just been pouring out into the field, just wasted all night long. I've heard about washouts. But I've, never, <laughs> I've heard about them happening to people. I've never, you never I, don't think, I don't know if I've ever experienced them. I've heard about them. Perfect record, huh? <laughs> so if you so, told me that, if you said that to me, I'd say so. Yeah, you probably never have because you've never flood irrigated. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so the way that I would do this to get back to the wheel line is he had one wheel line right up behind their, their farm headquarters behind the shop. And when you do wheel lines, you have to go up and you don't shut the pump off, but you turn it down to a real low flow setting. And so it's just a little bit of water coming out. So let's stop for a second. Mm -hmm. Let me explain what a wheel line is. Yeah. Because we're going to have some people who probably have no idea. For sure. So where we are at in Fairfield, in here in Montana, there's three main ways to irrigate. One is a center pivot, which we have talked about before i mean with our our episode with dale sand we talked a little bit more about pivots awesome they're automatic they they just go and go and you're not sure what it is get in an airplane and look out the window yes over farmland and the big green circles those are pivots you have one center point and it just it just pivots around that center point a big circle Mm -hmm. so that center pivot that probably the easiest way to irrigate because you turn it on and press a button and then when it's done, you press a button, turn it off. <laughs> very, Essentially, I mean, you right. get the water in the pump, but yeah. very easy. The other end of things is flood irrigating, which you you have ditches around and throughout your fields. Yep. And you have a tarp dam, which is basically you have, I don't know what it, maybe an eight or 10 foot by, that might be a little aggressive, maybe a six or eight foot by, by maybe four foot mm-hmm. piece of, of tarp. And that you put a big two by four, like a two by four usually, hole, yeah. whatever, usually a two by four through one end of it. The, the tarp is made with a, a loop through it. That's the best way to describe it, a loop. Not a loop. A, what would you just, what, It'd be like called? what you put a drawstring through on a sweater. How, yeah, there's yeah. just like a little pocket stitched yep. in it that allows you to run. The, so that's what you slide your two by four through. The two by four then spans the, the ditch, ditch like yeah. it's a bridge almost. And then you pull that tarp upstream of the direction the water's flowing and you push that that tarp dam down into the bottom of the ditch and the water will fill it up and then 
it literally dams the water from going down the ditch. It backs it up, and then you have cutouts in your ditch yeah. that water flows out of. And then the other, the other two are, are wheel lines and hand lines. So basically, you have a, a big pump, and you have, uh, are they aluminum? They have yeah. to be in that light. Aluminum yeah. pipes. Actually, it's, well, it's galvanized. Yeah. I know they're sold, they're light, so I don't right. know what it is for sure. But anyway, you have, from your water source, you have a pump that, and you run these, these pipes, you know, they have five inches, four inches, three inch pipes, depending on how you're set up. And you run them basically along an edge of your field and then perpendicular. And that, that's your main line. It's, it's laying on the ground. And then perpendicular to that, you will have a big pipe that runs at a 90 degree angle from your main line. And this pipe is up off the ground, I don't know, three feet maybe because it's on big wheels. Yeah. So, and then, then space between these wheels are sprinkler heads. Yep. And then this perpendicular pipe with all the wheels on it, it plugs in to that, that main line pipe. Yeah. And so you run the sprinklers for whatever, 12, 24 hours, whatever your length of time is. And then you have to move the pipe forward or backward through the field. There's two different ways to move it. One is by hand. You just literally push it. Is that how your little one is? Or part of what's called a mover. Uh And it it almost looks like a wagon, four wheels and a, and a little gas motor on it. You fire it up and pull it and it's got, no gears and it's hooked into the whole length of it. And it'll yeah, it all moves at once. The one that I've been doing is two wheel lines you have to move by hand and then one with a mover. Huh. So I've never would, seen the ones you do by hand. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's just a small enough you know, back, piece. Back when I was a kid. Back when I was a kid. Back when I was a kid, we had that. So, so that's what we're talking about. Now, when these things are completely full of water, this is, this is probably why you've never done them by hand because you keep the pump running uh-huh. Just slow down, right? When you move it, well, with the mover. So yeah, so we when when I when we did it, we would slow the pump down so we could unhook the hose from the wheel line, and then oh oh yeah, you know, let it yeah. run out on the ground. But you had to be quick because when you close the main line, when you shut it, you have to grab the hose and run to the next riser and open it back up before the pressure builds up too strong inside the pipe. Mm. so you had to be swift if you weren't if you're not swift you probably better to shut the pump off but then you can lose your prime and that's why we didn't like to shut it off because you have to reprime everything so the reason we would we would slow that down go unhook the pipe and when you unhook the the hose basically that connects the wheel line to the main line there's little drains under all the sprinklers and these little flaps open and it starts draining all the water you mentioned that that's really heavy when it's full you've got like a quarter mile of four inch pipe full of water. So, I mean, it's, it's very heavy and that drains out and draining can take, you know, 15 or 20 minutes to drain the whole thing out. So what I would do was when I start my night set rotation, I would go to the wheel line, turn the pump down, unhook the hose, let it start draining. And then I would go off and do my other night sets. And then when I got done with my, you know, fifth or sixth night set, I would swing back by that field. By then it's completely drained out. It's light. I'd fire up the little mover, you know, just a little, and it would slow roll up to the next spot, hook the hose back up, go to the pumping station, turn it back up to full blast and make sure all everything, you know, comes back on and then go home for the night. And then same thing in the morning, just 
you know, morning sets now instead of uh, night sets. But one time, one time I went and I shut the pump down or slowed it down, unhooked the hose, went and made my night sets and just tired. Forgot. Completely forgot it. (laughs) Drove home. And you know, we're not like super far away, but it's probably, what is it? Six miles, seven miles out to, to Billy Jack's. (laughs) So I go home, shower and I'm laying in bed. And I, I remember the moment still, just clear as a bell, remember the moment laying in bed just before I fell asleep that I realized didn't turn, didn't move the wheel line. So I had to get up and I, I'm like happy that I was like responsible, but I was like, I had to get up. I drove all the way back out to the farm, like at midnight, moved that wheel line in the dark with a flashlight, hooked it up, drove back home, get home like at one in the morning. Then you got to get back up at six. You got to be out there. I think at six fifteen or six thirty, <laughs> and go do it again. So when you're talking about wheel lines, I, I'm that that was one of my wheel line experiences. The wheel lines that I've been doing, it uh, there's three of them on this property that are all running at the same time. So to move them, you can shut one completely off, and the other two just run. They all run off one pump because mm-hmm. they're kind of a smaller wheel end. Yeah, I obvious. I, well, I, I'm assuming that's why. But yeah. there's one ha- a hand line. A hand line is going to be just the pipeling on the ground with sprinklers. I've never understood the hand lines. I mean, I see that you don't have to have your fields leveled because they just sprinkle. But I would choose flood irrigating over hand lines. Really? Oh, I don't think I would. Like maybe small scale, no, but large scale, like. Like you drive oh, through Idaho and you oh, see like large scale. Have you, I mean, it's, I wouldn't do it large oh. scale, but I mean, oh, I think I prefer it over flooding. Even really? like with just the pastures we have here at our house. Uh-huh. Huh. But because they're so light, they hook up so fast. Do they? I mean, they don't weigh any. You could carry two lengths of it or three or four lengths of it with no problem. I bet there's a lot of you listening out there that spent a lot of time growing up moving hand lines. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. So anyway, these ones you, you you turn one off and then move it and then turn it on and go turn as you know the other one off. So you can you never you never have that to deal with any pressure or water running out in the field. But anyway, so I cut all the hay on this place. You know, we've talked about this a little bit. Just the hay we've been doing. I cut all the hay on this place, and their main the main five inch main line for all of the all of the wheel lines. I I found it and it was running right up against the fence and so when i was on the tractor cutting my cutter swings out at a 90 degree angle from my tractor to the right side the fence and the main pipe were down on my left side okay okay so i'm driving the tractor and I, i'm just looking right now down the- watching watching it i'm like ah oh, i got it. the grass is tall this is the time you run over I stuff know. yeah yeah so i'm pretty like okay <laughs> I, I got this pipe i'm not running over anything and I'm just watching it running parallel to my tractor. And then all of a sudden, I notice it's running 90 degrees underneath my tractor. Oh, no. Oh. Ah. <laughs> so out ahead of me, at a place that I would not expect it to make a 90 degree turn, it, didn't, it wasn't really following anything. Uh-huh. It just made this just random out into the field. And the, and the grass was, you know, three or four feet high. And I, so I was just, I, you know, the wheels are out in front of where I'm looking because I'm just looking straight down to the left. <laughs> You're looking like off your steps kind of right down. Yep. Just <laughs> watching that pipe. So proud of myself that I'm, I didn't run it over. I'm not damaging it. And then I 
I realized that the turn that's under my tractor was going to only mean that my front wheels went over it. Went over it. Uh, so, yeah. And it's so it's so light gauge. You probably didn't even feel a bump. It just oh yeah, just pancakes it. it. Pancaked it. <laughs> so I pulled it out, and the guy that I'm leasing it from, he's the he's retired now, but he spent a lot of his life repairing repairing these welding and cutting these these pipes. Just repairing them from lease people that leased his ground over the years that kept running this pipe over. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but you're not the first one to do that. Well, so he, he told me, he goes, yeah, when I cut, I, I'd have to have my wife walk along the pipe for my first cut. Oh, really? So I do just for that. Yeah, but man, I felt, felt silly, but man, what? Yeah. I just felt, I felt stupid having to tell him. So yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, cause I you ran over your pipe and ruined like, it. I don't do that. Like, this isn't me. This is like, this is like hired hand stuff where they're like, Hey, I knock the fence over or whatever. <laughs> That's not me. This is not me. Oh, yeah. What's your best running over or backing into something where you're just like, I, what? Oh, well, I can think of one that you did. I don't know if it's your best one. The one, do you remember when you were doing down in Arizona for, our, oh, our oh, I've got a, now that you mentioned, oh man, <laughs> I've got a few. I've got a few. Okay. Okay. I like where this is going. Uh-huh. Let me tell you one of my first earliest ones that I remember that when I, I realized like I really, in my young mind, really screwed something up bad. And you will remember this once I tell you it. Dad started us driving very young. Probably, I'm a, I bet I was 10 years old because I was old enough that the punishment for this was that I missed most of your senior year of basketball because as repayment for this damage I caused, I had to stay home and babysit Kenzie and Weston. So that would have been 96 to 97, right? That was your senior. Yeah. Okay. Which I was born in 86. So I would have been 10, 11 years old. So this was in the fall of 96. 10 year old me with my bifocal glasses and my bowl cut and my snotty nose. Dad sent me, we were over at the feedlot and he left to go do something like completely left the, the feedlot. And he said, you need to go water. I remember even the pig that we had, Matilda, was this ornery old sow that, I don't even know why, but dad had this sow that was having babies and she was so mean and nasty. But you remember he had that one little farrowing hut kind of over by the, by the old chute? Anyway, so you know where the office is. This is, this is we'll tell you about this sow. I remember her. <laughs> Do you remember Matilda? The, the only sow ever to have babies over there whose babies survived because all the, the predation. Right. Foxes, coyotes. Yeah, because we weren't set up. They'd have babies out in the shed and you just they're just kind of raising them out in the pen. Like good luck. Yeah, we weren't we weren't raising babies. Yeah. They were just coming through. So some mm-hmm. would come through that would end up that you know, were pregnant, maybe didn't know one had them and there were no pigs. Now granted these are all the confined Luterite sows. Right. But this girl, I mean, she came straight out of the woods. <laughs> yep. And there was a beast. There was not one single baby that died of hers, and she handled her business. In fact, I remember, I, this is funny how you're saying this, because I'm having all these memories <laughs> of her. I remember, you know, those little pigs would just squirt out of every, every hole or crack. Yeah, anywhere anything. they wanted. And they got to this point where we had to gather them at times to put them back, and when you, you hear the term squealing like a stuck pig, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> go grab a baby pig. And hold it. That, that doesn't want to be held or, you know, that half re, wild. Re, re, 
This is the weirdest noise. And that when that so when you grab those to go put the babies back in with her mom with Matilda. Yeah. And they she started screaming. Man, <laughs> she'd tear down about any enclosure she yeah. was in. Just nuts, man. Coming to handle business with them. Oh. oh. I think I would have taken her over a grizzly. Yeah. If I, I mean, if they were after I'd her babies. I put my money on like her. Like a, a sow grizzly. Yeah. Kind of protecting her babies versus the sow pig. Yeah. Something with the word sow, maybe. Sow. Sow. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So anyway. this is Matilda. You all know Matilda now. Anyway, I had to water Matilda. She was in the farrowing hut. And there's no water. The only water source at the feedlot that you can fill a bucket up from is by the office, right? That's the only spigot. So office to Matilda's hut, probably 40 yards. Do you think? If that. If that. But being young. Maybe 10 yards is the crow flies. <laughs> the crow flies. Just to walk around Just the corner. Just down around the corner. It. But dad said water Matilda. Well, they usually use five gallon buckets, but I'm 10 years old. So I can't carry a full bucket of water. So for whatever reason, I'm using these little half gallon metal buckets. I get two or three of them filled up with water and dad's, this would have been in 90, oh man, this, okay. So this was 97. Dad had a 1994, one of the only brand new pickups he'd ever bought. This, this 1994 extended cab, three quarter ton Ford. And so I, it was a stick shift and that's when I mean, we were brought up driving that thing. So it's a three-year-old pickup and I put all these little pails of water on the tailgate. And I jump in the pickup and I back up because I was just going to back around instead of carrying all these things back and forth. I'm like, I'll just put them all on, you know, my young trucker trying to be freight efficient. I'm going to put them all on the tailgate and I'll just back over real slow to the thing. Then we'll dump them all in at once. I'm done. Well, unbeknownst to me, your little Ford Escort had been parked, slipped in and parked behind the pickup. You know, I wasn't looking at my mirrors very well at that age. Probably couldn't see out the back window. And so I backed up and the tailgate was down and I backed that pickup straight up in the corner of the tailgate, dug in right behind the passenger door by the kind of between the door and the fuel door, the little fuel fill up and just poop with the corner of the tailgate. Didn't do a thing to the pickup, nothing. I felt it right away and I stopped. And I pulled forward and I got out and I was like, no, 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 no. And I walk and there's, it's about the size of your fist, just like punched in. Do you remember that? I don't remember. Not at all. I don't remember. I think they got it fixed right away. And I think, cause that little car was pretty new. I think it cost like $400, $350 maybe back then to fix it. But I thought, I thought I pretty much bankrupted dad. So I just sat there. Forget the water, forget everything. I just sat there crying, going, oh, no, no, no. So when he comes back and sees, why haven't you watered the pig? Just pointed to the car. Oh, and he was so mad. Richard was so mad. Why would you back the pickup around to water the pig? Just trying to be efficient. <sighs> so anyway, so that's, that started. My punishment was babysit to pay for it. I'm gonna be, you're going to babysit through all of basketball season. So... That's what I did. Ah. Mm-hmm. So as I, that was kind of my only, you know, issue I had it was from then until after I graduated high school, I was down in Arizona. This is the one. <laughs> this is the one I, I <laughs> the one you remember hearing about. So I'm driving, I'm down in Arizona working for uh, uncle Monty and 
anyway, doing agriculture stuff, running tractors and stuff out in the field. And so this is, you kind of got to set the stage. Jackson has kind of created for himself legendary status down with all the cousins in Arizona. He's been yeah. up here farming mm-hmm. since he's 10, driving trucks, back and watering hogs out of trucks since he's 10. Yep. Now he's <laughs> driving combine. He's kind of, kind of like legendary among the cousins yeah now, so we're toward cousins we're talking on our mother's side who grew up on a cotton farm down in arizona yeah so jackson's kind of like the legend yep so he he decides to take the legend down south and and help out our uncle there with with some agricultural and pursuits. it was because he had a job for me that was basically unlimited tractor driving you're, you're going to plow fields as long as you want for as many hours as you want as many days as you want unlimited he had that much work lined up in the in the course of what we were doing you just move from one old place to the next to the next and we'll probably maybe we'll talk about that sometime in another episode but anyway it was i was getting 10 bucks an hour this was in 2004 and unlimited hours just all you want you want to go 18 19 hours a day there you go man there you go get up the next morning so i was doing this and i was just loving it thinking i'm just making so much money, which at the time it was, it was like a good thing after being used to working, you know, 15, 16 hour days here, irrigating for $2,000 a month, which was, you know, a big wage back then I go down and I'm like, I make like 150 to $200 a day, six days a week. This is crazy. So yes, I'm down there. The legend moves South. So that job, that was when I came over Parker yeah. that one weekend yeah. to help you. You came from LA out to I was Parker, in Los Arizona. Angeles and Jackson was out in the desert somewhere outside of Parker, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So I came out to, did you need help or was I just come spend the weekend I, helping? I mean, I, I was, so yeah, I was way, I, there was this, this farm that was, we were fixing up needed, I mean, tons of, I was way behind. I needed to dig out mesquite trees and I needed to be plowing. Oh, at the same I was time. plowing while you were digging out trees. That's and this right. is when you were like cleaning pools and you're doing whatever. So I think it was like, come out, make some money. Yeah. Spend the weekend. We had, ho- you know, a hotel there. And yeah, I think you came out and I was super homesick because I was away from, that was the first time I'd ever been like alone, alone. And I think, I think you knew that. And so you're, that's probably <laughs> the main reason you came out. But yeah, that was the same. The two things I remember from coming over, a couple things. But I think that was when we found that giant, giant black scorpion. Uh-huh. Remember that? Yeah. It was as big as your hand. Yeah. It was huge. And then the flash flood. And the flash flood. Got stuck in a flash flood out in this farm. Yeah. There's some stories to tell about that, that place. Yeah, anyway, so that's. But I'll stick for now. We'll stick back to the damage, the damage I caused in Arizona. So, so not only am I legendary amongst the cousins for my, my, my equipment prowess, but also for cattle prowess, because none of the cousins down there knew anything really about cattle work and brand and castrate and any of that. And we'd done that growing up, right? With rooster. So my uncle that I was working for calls me and says, your other uncle, uncle Jono is going to brand some calves tomorrow morning and I would like for you to go help him on your way to the farm that you're driving tractor on that you're working on you know okay great sounds good what time do you want me there right at sunup you know six o'clock so I was staying in Mesa Arizona at the time drive down from Mesa down out to Queen Creek 
even further out into the country past Queen Creek. And I get out there and it's the sun is coming up just bright as can be in the, obviously the east, right? And so I pull into the farmyard and I'm driving a pickup of my uncle's that I work for, Uncle Monty. He's got this, this little kind of lifted up half ton, little crew cab thing, you know, 01, probably 2000, 2001, you know, that kind of when Ford first got away from the square body and everyone was like, this is so cool. He's letting me drive this around to this, these jobs that I'm working for him. So I pull onto the farm and I'm looking. And as I pull in, I don't see anybody out there. I'm like, and I showed up early, early. And I'm just idling, you know, through the yard, just kind of basically my foot's off the brake. And I'm just, you know, whatever your vehicle happens to roll to, what's that, four, five, six miles an hour, maybe, when you're just freewheeling. And I'm just freewheeling. I'm looking out the passenger window and the sun's coming up big time. And all of a sudden, bam, just stop. Oh, <laughs> like way too abrupt. And I'm like, what? Because I'm just out in this open, this open spot trying to figure out what in the world. There's only something, you know, there's, there's something there parked there, something that could stop me this quick. So I'm like, I don't even want to know. I'm like... So I put it in reverse and I back up and I still can't see. I'm just completely blinded by the sun. And I get out and I look and there's this palm tree just out in the, in the middle of the yard, in the middle of the farmyard. I'm like, why? And of course, that's my thought. You're going, no, 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 no. And then you're going, why, why, why has this been allowed to live here in the middle of everything? And so I go around to the front of the pickup and I, I'm just like, no, no, no. And that's when I realized how truly flimsy the new Fords, the whatever style they call that, how just total crap they build these new bumpers. You know, square body bumpers, they were like still a bumper. Just completely, it caved in the center of the bumper like this. So it was just like an inverted, like a V. And it, you know, did the bumper and then it did the, the grill. And it's just like, man... Come on. And this is just me stopping here to help, you know, on my way to work. Shouldn't even have been out there, whatever. So I have to call, I have to call Monty and tell him, well, first of all, I go park so no one can see it. I angle it away from everything. And then here comes John oh, a little while later. And one of the couple of the younger cousins, we do the, we do the calves. And I think I told him, I was like, man, it's like, Monty's going to be mad. I like, I don't ask me how that, see that palm tree over there, right on the middle of everything, just sitting there. Ran into that this morning. Just drove straight into it. <laughs> and of course, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hey, there's a palm tree. Can you look? You look around and see. There's. You can't see anything for miles. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. You see that tree? I hit it. I hit that. There's just that right there. Somehow I just lined up. Why'd you do that? And so I told him the story. And John is so. He just laughs about everything. That's like his <laughs> go-to for everything. So he's laughing, and I'm like, John, I don't find this very funny, man. Like I'm mm -mm. the positive side to it all was I drove it to work and it seems a little less every time you're like, no, this isn't that bad. So I drove to work, did the farm in that day, left a little early, drove to the Ford dealership in Coolidge, Arizona. And I was like, Hey, I need this, 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 and this, what's it going to cost me? It was like, again, it seemed like it was like 500 bucks for a new bumper and a trim and, and a new grill. So I was like, Okay, they'll have the parts in tomorrow. They had them there. So 
I come the next day, get the parts, drive back to Mesa and out in the parking lot of the apartment complex. No, actually I did it at the farm. The next day I got the parts and came and I took everything off and totally rebuilt it. Put the new bumper on, put the new grill in, all this. And Monty never actually got to see, he got to see the old parts. You know, we threw them out back in the pile. <laughs> he never actually saw the... <laughs> and it was before you take pictures, you know, and send pictures and all that. So it was... <laughs> I got away, got away, you know, it cost me another, you know, and I'm like, whatever, three days on the tractor and it's fixed, you know, but just, it's one of those, you feel so, like when you, when you ran that pipe over, you were probably just going, what, there's so many things that you just like, doesn't matter. I did it. It's done. It happened. And it doesn't matter because it's done now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, you know, another thing that I, I have that Kubota skid steer. Oh. And I, I have no problems. I, I really like that machine. Uh-huh. There's one thing on it that drives me crazy. And this is at risk of losing a Kubota sponsorship but, someday. Right. But right. Mm-hmm. I, this might not be unique to Kubota's because I, I need to actually need to go look at other skid steers. This might just be how it's set up. But you, you know, if you're sitting in the cab looking out, yeah. just out the cab to the left on the arm of the, 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 yeah, the boom. The boom. That's <laughs> where all your, your hydraulic hookup. Yep. So any hydraulic any attachments, okay. you hook them in right there. So, oh, a couple of years ago, I, had a, I was borrowing a grapple and I was stacking hay in the barn. And I, and I was lifting the grapple up and watching the grapple to make sure I didn't hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that, that, that the arm I'm looking at in front of me is not the highest it's point the on high that sensor. It's Ugh. the hydraulic. That hydraulic attachment is and, the high point. And it's the most, like, it's the most important part of the boom. Like, you know, it's got your, your hydraulics. And then if there's any electronic controls, it has that electronic you know, plug-in as well. So I like, smacked it on a, on a rafter, <laughs> tore it all off. Ugh. And then I think it costs like... I think it was like 900 bucks to replace that stupid thing. Yeah, you can't fix anything anymore for a couple, oh. never, like nothing for a couple hundred bucks anymore. So that, so that is, uh, so I need to look at other skid steers and see if they have a little bit in the same now spot that, yeah, because yeah. that's, that's one thing I, that's, that's the only thing I found on that skid steer I haven't liked is that high point mm-hmm. is not what's going on out in front of my skid steer that I can see. It's that stupid. You got to watch that. You got to. Where it kind of makes the curve down, yeah. And the only way you can see it is kind of through that little window on the roof. The little and there's always a glare. And you're always like, oh, what am I, I think, seeing? I think, I think, is that oh, the ah, No, no, no. <laughs> As the roof comes down, come, come, come. Man, uh, so I don't know what would have been worse to tear the roof off the barn or tear the hydraulic. It probably would have cost about the same to fix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, anyway, so that was, I, that's another one where I'm like, uh-huh. So and then so then my grapple does nothing works anymore. I can't use the grapple, so they're back to hand stacking. <laughs> then, of course, they don't have the part and they have to order it. So, right. I, uh, so that's oh, you know, Weston, who you guys of course know from from our little chronicles we did. Weston had a little when he was trucking for me. We didn't talk about this when we were doing our deal. <laughs> he's gonna laugh now because he's not here to defend himself at all, but. He had a little mishap pulling uh, a cow trailer. Sorry, Stoney. So he's pulling in the way that my yard's set up. You basically pull in on the left side of the yard. You circle around behind all the equipment. 
And then you come in from behind, pick the lane you're going to park your truck and trailer in. You got to swing way out wide and then, you know, hit the corner just right to where you can pull into that lane. If you cut it too short, you're in danger of hooking the side of your trailer on whatever's parked, you know, to your right. And if you swing out too far to your left, you're in danger of hitting the equipment that's parked on your left. So it's, yeah, you just gotta be, you know, careful. And of course, Weston, this is, he's, he's young, 21, whatever. And he calls me one day and he's like, he's just sick and mad. When Weston has things go bad, he gets so mad. Like, I think more than anyone in the family, he gets so mad when something, when he does something wrong or something goes south. Super, super angrish. I would agree with that. But on the flip side, I, I think it takes the most to get him to that point. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean. Like his fuse is pretty long. He's got a long fuse. Long but fuse. When, <laughs> fuse, when, when he goes. runs out of fuse. She you know, gone. I think it's, pro- I'm going to, you know what I'm going to attribute that to? Uh-huh. I think he just holds it all in. I think it's not a long fuse. I think he just internalizes, internalizes. <laughs> and then finally, when something snaps, it's all the stuff that's been happening for a month all <laughs> blows at the same time. <laughs> like, it's, it's not in, that big of a deal, man. It's been just letting <gasps> it rip, letting it rip every time something little happens. Just get it out. He just builds and builds and builds. Just and like then a it's pressure cooker. <laughs> So this must have been, and this was a, a spectacular event at the end of a month of whatever. So he calls and he's mad and he's like, I, I just, I, I just destroyed your cow trailer. Just destroyed it. I'm such an idiot. I destroyed it. I can't believe I stinking. It's like just destroyed it. Like that's, that's what I remember him leading with. I'm like, like, okay, well, it's hard to top that. So, and, and you know, you're trying to be, he's like, he's helping me so much, you know, like, wait, wait, are you hurt? <laughs> okay. The good First thing of is- all, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. That's always what people are like, <laughs> are you okay? So I was just like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, well, and I, I have, I'm pretty good at holding things in when bad things happen, like when people tear stuff up and, you know, with guys leasing trailers and stuff, we've had everything from Nolan getting blown over to the wind to, to Weston's deal. (laughs) He had turned in basically what happened. The vehicle he was, or the trailer he was parking next to was a hay trailer. So that was, that's what was on his right. So he makes the corner and he cuts the corner a little too tight. And the trailer is not going to clear. The cow trailer is not going to clear the hay trailer. And hay trailers have these little racks made out of square tubing and angle iron that make the trailer even wider. So it looks like, hey, I think I'm going to make it. And it, but it's hard to see. There's a rack that sticks up and out the side, and he ends up hooking the the rack into through one of the holes of the cow trailer. And then by the time he realizes or hears or feels something's going on, that stuff's so light, you know. He just just tears it through about four or five holes, and then stop. <laughs> you can imagine this, right? <laughs> he's he's gonna love hearing this. The thing is, is anyone anyone who spends any time driving eighty stone time has done something. Like it happens and as soon as you do it, you're just like, I, 
it's like no way no 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 and then you're like come on what and you're like how you'd give anything to go back like i will give i would give my right arm to just go back in time one minute from now and try this again <laughs> oh that's a good one and this is young weston you know where he's he's working so hard and helping me out so much and trying so hard to really be the guy you know and, and was doing so good so he, yeah, he catches this thing in just tin can. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, no, it's, you know, that's all right, man. No, 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 it's all good. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll, yeah, we'll just, when I get home, we'll look at it. And then I get home and I see it in real life and I'm just like, oh, oh man. <laughs> so, so I end up getting, I know I got some new panels for it and they're kind of like a puzzle, you know, they're, they're, you can't just unscrew a few bolts and pull the panel off and put a new one and they all kind of interweave into each other. So you have to sort of take half the side apart to replace them. And anyway, we got her, we got her all done and it was ship shape. And I was like, Hey man, at least now I've got like this new fresh part of my trailer. That's all like, Hey, it's all shiny and fresh, but it happens. Like there's just no way around. You're totally right in saying that, that any and everyone that does equipment stuff, it's if you've never had anything, you're lying because there's always something at some point, somewhere, no matter how good you are, there's always something. Something, yeah. Funny. So, oh, that's a good. Yeah. So, that mine for the year was running over. Hopefully, that's it for the year. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a second cutting off that place. Well, I know where the pipe is, though. Yeah. 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 So, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I better not run it over again because I think they're out of that five inch pipe. I think we used the last piece. <laughs> that was the end. And of course, I'm like, all right, I, uh, if you don't have any, I I know, I don't know where you get it, but I drove through Townsend recently and I saw a bunch of pipes at a dealership there. I'm sure they have some. I'll drive to Townsend, <laughs> which is like super long pieces, so I have to take a big trailer, but end up having a piece and being able to make it work. Oh, oh man. Anyway, hey, another thing I wanted to, this came up today at work at the dental office i don't remember the context of it but like family legends mm. i'm gonna give you a couple okay a couple of ours okay and so the first one is our relation to abraham lincoln have you ever heard about this family legend actually I, yep okay have yep. you shared it with anyone no good good <laughs> is it a farce well, this okay. has some far-reaching implications. You are you're going to be shattering a lot of. I can't say but, that we're not related to Abraham Lincoln, but I'm going to just lay this out for you and let okay. you and the listeners decide. Okay. okay. So, oh, a while back, I don't know how many years ago, mom kind of gathered us around and did a kind of a family meeting and let us know that her, I don't know if it was her mother or one of her siblings had been doing some good family genealogy, some good family research. And had come across enough things that pretty confident that one of our forebears, one of our ancestors in the 1800s, was the that Abraham Lincoln was the illegitimate child of our oh. our relative. Huh. So you know, through our through this family research, you know, all the pieces kind of fit together. That oh, looks like you know, so and so who's our a relative is actually Abraham Lincoln's real dad, you know, but it was illegitimate. <clears throat> so this became like kind of family folklore, family legend. And like, who know, like, where do you find, like, where do you find out, like, 
who's I mean, but but because we had someone, you know, spend some good time at right. so that's this became talked about uh-huh. within the family for it became years later. Our sister, I found out was sending her kids to school to do reports in school and report to the class that were actually related to Abraham Lincoln. Uncle Abe. And the teachers are wanting to find out more. Wow, more information. <laughs> and I I I you know, I heard it and I was like, oh, okay, whatever, maybe, maybe, whatever. But as I found out, as my critical thinking skills became a little more honed uh-huh. and I found out my sister was doing this, I, I our sister was doing this. I said, <laughs> you need to not do that. Uh-huh. Let me walk you through this and tell me if you think this way I told our sister. I don't know if I'm ready for this, man. So if you, let's pick, pick three Americans who you think have probably had the most research papers written about them, doctoral master's theses written about them in American history. Who do you think, would you say Abraham Lincoln is one of the top three most yeah. researched oh, yeah. Americans ever? Oh yeah. Like Abraham Lincoln, Benjamin Franklin. I mean, like people spend sometimes their lives studying right. and been not dumb people, people who this is their college professors, doctorates, and whatever. But we're the only family, we're the only people that actually know the truth. <laughs> so is Abraham Lincoln was an illegitimate child from our relative. Okay. So I'm saying, listen, you think that of all of the research that's been put into Abraham Lincoln in his life, probably one of the top three Americans ever. Yeah. We're the only ones that know. <laughs> Wait, we're the only ones that know so the secret. Have you found anything that refutes his legitimate birth? <laughs> if he was, it'd be common knowledge. He's too famous. And uh, I'm, I'm holding oh, out. I'm no, holding come out on. hope. I'm holding no, out hope, man. There's no way. There's no you way. You can't just come crashing in here and he just take way, all this away from me. He is way too researched and studied person. Wait, have you that, have you just Googled it? I mean, not that Google's the answer to everything, but have I looked up an online search? Is our relative the illegitimate father of Abraham Lincoln? Was does, yeah? Does Abe Lincoln have an illegitimate? Okay, was he an illegitimate child? I think at some point I have I have searched for something like that, and it might have kicked up one thing that said, "Here's what some people said, and here's why it's ridiculous." But it will be common knowledge. It will be common knowledge. Well, so you think you still. You, I just, you just, you can't just come in and crash my whole so world. What now. you're doing is you're experiencing cognitive dissonance right now. <laughs> cognitive dissonance. Okay, wait. So Jackson's looking this up right now. There's no way. Uh, there's, because okay, we, we do this sometimes, right? They give you, so I, I, I searched, was Abe Lincoln an illegitimate child? It gives the first little thing here. Says historians have debated for more than a century about Lincoln's lineage, with many siding with Lincoln biographer William Barton, who concluded in the 20s that Nancy Hanks Lincoln was the illegitimate daughter of Lucy Hanks, who later married Henry Sparrow. On so, okay. but the but the first next question was who is the real father of Abraham Lincoln? Our relative. What if it was? <laughs> I I you know. But if you look at the if you look at the the web address on that from the website, it, flat Earth is real. 
<laughs> my point oh. being, if he was, yeah. I think this is probably, now this is probably, maybe this is, it's been lost to the annals of history, but this could be like the Obama, wasn't there like, he wasn't an American something. Yeah, so, <laughs> this, so, all right. Okay, well, you, you just I just keep I continuing your cognitive. Dissonance. No, see, here's my thing. I maybe this was shared when I was young enough that I I remember thinking that we were related to Honest Abe, but I don't remember like the I could never say how or why or what the the deal was. So I'll can just continue my silence okay. on the issue. How about but how now, about this one that we have know. that we have Cherokee Native American ancestry? I do remember that and. I, I I used to think it was why I'm so I don't know why my skin's so dark sometimes in the summer I get nice. <laughs> yeah. That's what I used to think. <laughs> I spend I spend a long chunk of time well because if you if you have a if you can uh, trace lineage to the Cherokee Nation, you have a lot of educational scholarship available. Uh-huh. So when oh, I was going, so is this what caused when I was you? going through all of my my schooling and paying for it, working to go through, I thought, man, it'd be nice to have some scholarship money. So I spent. So we we have we had been raised to believe that we had a certain percentage of Cherokee. Jackson's Jackson is just <laughs> no. he's totally not paying attention. No, he's no I am sitting here on his okay, phone I, looking about no. Abraham Lincoln's okay. parentage. You shouldn't. Have, we shouldn't have started on this Abe thing. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's all right. Let's you get can Cherokee. As you're laying in your as you're laying in your truck bunk tonight, <laughs> trying to sleep, and you can't, you can sit here and read all these flat Earth websites about Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> okay, so you were thinking maybe you could use your Cherokee bloodline to help your education ability there's, or there's, opportunities. I know the Cherokee Nation has a lot of scholarship mm-hmm. for educational purposes. So I, we had been raised forever that we had, and this I remember this one Cherokee. Yes. Yeah. We were Cherokee DNA in us. Yeah, I think it was actually 132nd is the actual what I remember. Yeah. 132nd. So I went on a mission to to figure it out. And, and within that, I actually, do you know what the Cherokee Nation is? Well, yeah. <laughs> why don't you tell me what it is? Like it's, it's the, the tribe um, or it's the governing body of Cherokee. So if someone needs to correct me, they can, but I'm pretty confident that you've heard of the trail of tears mm-hmm. okay so when the, the cherokee tribe was sent on what was later became known as a trail of tears everyone that went on that names were put on a roll and so anyone who can trace lineage back to someone who was on that role is part of cherokee nation okay all right so there were there were cherokee native in native americans who who for i mean Lack. I, this is not a lack of a term. I'm going to put this just on. I don't know how to describe this. They headed for the hills. How, how would you describe that? Not maybe not literally, but figuratively headed for the hills. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> okay. And uh, basically didn't go on the the trail of tears, but they went. They hit out essentially. So there are Cherokee Native Americans who were not part of Cherokee Nation. Oh, because I see. Because they didn't actually get because registered they, on they the. We're not registered trail. on the rolls. Yep. So that's. I believe that's correct. If I need to be corrected, I please do. But that's, I think that's pretty much correct. So we had no connection to Cherokee nation. I found could find. So, so then that was when I discovered that not all Cherokee native Americans were actually part of Cherokee nation. So I started 
checking out into that. And I just could not find anything at all. So I just abandoned the search. And a number of years later, I did get that 23andMe DNA test. Mm -hmm. And I had a grand total of 0% Native American. In fact, surprisingly, I found that I have more African DNA in me (laughs) than I do Native American DNA. Really? Yep. (laughs) So... So another family okay. legend put to bed. Oh, you know, I'm actually, I'm a little relieved about the Cherokee one because when I was young and, and I was proudly sporting my 132nd Cherokee heritage, I was like, man, I'm 132nd Cherokee. Cause I'd like, I always thought all the Indian stuff was so cool. Still do. But as I started to learn, cause when like in school, they'd be like, all right, pick which Indians are going to do a, you know, which tribe you're going to do a book report on learn about who am I going to do it on my ancestors? I'm going to do it on my Cherokee. As I started researching the Cherokee, I realized that they were like the, like the scholars and like the most, I'm not sure the word you want to use, but they were a little more refined. Yes. Yes. More refined and not, I was hoping like tomahawks and yeah, you know, no, that was not the Cherokees. They were a very peaceful, Laid back, loving, refined, refined. refined. So when I learned that, I was a little, I started to kind of pull back a little on my 132nd thing. And then you, this really just helps close the whole thing for me. Well, here we are. Here we are. But, but just, I'm just throwing this out there for you. Just so you may not want to totally slam the door. Okay. Let me just share this one thing. This is when you, when you called me out because I was so surprised by this. So it says that there are 16 individuals and various authors who have claimed this, made this claim, okay? Now, they've narrowed, it says here in this article from flatearth.com. <laughs> it says, it says there's, they've narrowed it down to four that they think may have fathered Lincoln. They are. Abraham Enloe. Which is our relative, the Enloe. Is that? Yeah. Really? Yep. Oh, from Kentucky. Abraham Enloe of Hardin County, Kentucky. Abraham Enloe of Bourbon County, Kentucky. And Abraham Enloe. All all these Enloes are spelled different. There's three Enloes all spelled differently. From Rutherford County. (laughs) So, (laughs) and I was kidding when I said that was our... Oh, so anyway, it's uh, this is funny because so, this, this was so probably a thing back was in the day. Fathered by Abraham Enlow. <laughs> That's pretty safe. So you gave you gave the name Abraham Enlow four times. Four, three different Enlows spelled different. One was E N L O E. One was O W. But back then, people just spelled. And one was Enlow. Yeah, that was just because people spelled phonetically. <laughs> it sounds like everyone in Kentucky was all related at that time. Kind of all had the same names. And Honest Abe just came came out of there somewhere. I No, I got you. It's all good. Uh, well, nearing the end of my calving, I think I've just got a few few girls left to calve. Mm-hmm. And our milk cow, we have a, Jer- a little Jersey milk cow who I have been waiting for about a month and a half. For like a month and a half, every day, I thought she was going to calve. <laughs> she just hanging on? Just doesn't. I mean, I have had other cows who had no swelling of their udders whatsoever. 
went from nothing to calving while this milk cow's udder looked like it could not get any bigger <laughs> for the last just three weeks. Ballooning and ballooning <laughs> and all these other cows are just... And so she finally, finally had her calf. And so, you know, with such copious milk production, you have to milk her. Right. The calf will never keep up with it, which we want to milk her. That's why we have her. And so she's been out in, in, the, in the pasture with all the other cows. And so I needed to bring her up closer to the house to a, a closer pasture that's more convenient and easier to get to for calving. And I have electric fence all over this field. So she's halter trained. And so what became the easiest way to get her in was to just grab her and go out the big gates at the highway and walk her down the highway. <laughs> right down the road in front of everyone. <laughs> so I... So I got a, I got a lot of honks, a look, lot of honks. Look at his cow. So Highway 89, which is the main road going up to Glacier Park from Great Falls. Yeah, I had about a half a mile walk along the edge of that road, <laughs> leading, <laughs> leading my cow. Welcome to Montana. Ooh. Oh, that's good. And she she's calved. Calved. Yep. She had her baby. Everything went good. Yeah. Everything. Everything is. She's done good. I was, I've been kind of excited about calving this year because I, I AI'd, I artificially inseminated all of my cows to a, to a bull that I really liked out of a family in Nebraska, Calvo, Calvo Red Angus. Mm. So I, I spent some time talking to him and this guy, I mean, what I did like 20 or 25 cows which is nothing, like nothing. You didn't tell him it was 25 though, did you? No, I did. You did? Okay. He, he could not have been more happy to spend the time talking to me. Which, <laughs> Whether it was 25 or 250, he's, whatever. He, um, I was very uh, impressed with, and I just told him, I said, look, I feel, I feel almost silly taking your time up with this. And he was like, nah, man. And, and so he got me set up with the, you know, what I was looking for bull wise. And, and, and anyway, I AI'd everything. So I've been excited to, to see these calves come out and right after AIing almost immediately the cows that I most wanted to take or, or to be bred by this immediately were cycling. And so I have a, a Galloway bull that I put in with them, which a cleanup bull. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't need to tell you that, but anyone who doesn't know what that means is if you artificially inseminate your cows, if you get, I think they say like 70% of 70% of your cows take with artificial insemination, that's really good. And so it's not uncommon to put a bowl in with the cows to breed any of the, the girls that didn't take with artificial insemination. They call it a cleanup bowl. Mm. So I have, I have this Galloway bowl that I've had for a while and I put him as cleanup and right away I noticed him starting to breed the cows. that I All the ones you like. All the ones I wanted. <laughs> like, come on. But I, had, I have a Red Angus cow who I think is just, I just love this cow. Beautiful cow. So many things I like about her, and I wanted more than anything, like since last summer, more than anything for her to have a bull from this artificial insemination, get a really nice red bull. And then I will keep that bull and breed. He'd be your new cleanup. He'll be my new cleanup <clears throat> bull. So this red cow, so I have four possibilities with this red cow. I can have the red Angus bull, who I artificially inseminated, a bull calf or a heifer calf, mm-hmm. or I could have out of the cross with the Galloway, a heifer calf or a bull calf out of the Galloway bull. By far, the least thing I want is a bull with the Galloway bull. <laughs> okay. okay. 
I want a Red Bull most and then red heifer second, then a Galloway cross heifer third. Mm -hmm. I do not want a Galloway (laughs) cross bull. What would you guess I got? Knowing you and and the things that happen to you and the luck that you have and the way things flow, I'm saying 100% chance from the first time you decided to even AI, you already sealed your fate with a Galloway cross bull. For sure. That's what what you got. That's what I got. Come on. (laughs) I think here's the thing. I have crossed her with the Galloway bull two years now Uh and I got, and I wanted, I wanted at that point heifer crosses with the Galloway bull because I wanted a half Galloway. Makes a small frame red cow. Yeah. And so the cross is a done color. Okay. So that's the, the color I got with these two heifers out of her. This little bull she has is all black, 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 black. Mm, so I'm kid. It could still be. So I'm, so she's red and the bull I bred her to was red. So I, I but red Angus does have. You can genetics. still get a dark thing coming out of there. Your Galloway is not dark at all. No, but he, he throws a, a variety of colors. Does he? he? Yeah. With his genes, I think he has the possibility of three or four different He colors. has kind of a belt on him, doesn't he? No, None. He's just, he's done. Colors, he's too. all done. So I'm not, I'm not, <sighs> I'm not totally sure. You can't tell when they're that young. It's like, cause I, I, yeah, I don't know for sure. So, you know, once they get a little bigger, those gal, those half galleries get real hairy. So right. I'll know. You could do a 23 and me on the, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, might I gotta know. Please tell me to. what this is. I might have to. So, so there's a small, small chance, but I'm, I think probably that Galloway bull. Oh man. If it could somehow come out and be a black like a super dark because as they get older, sometimes they'll lighten up, you know, they'll get lighter. Yeah. I think if you, if you, you know, you're deficient in minerals and whatnot, <laughs> they, they're, they, their black starts to kind of fade and get kind of, Oh, uh, well, I'm going to cross my fingers that somehow we're going to have a reversal of fortune. Oh, this red cow, we'll go through, you guys have started kind of doing this, but we've gone through phases where in the later spring, people are, having to start farming uh-huh. and they got to get their cows gone and so late calving cows they pulled calves off and you you can get some some real good deals on mm. calves that need to be bottle fed and so there was a, a couple of years in a row where where i wanted like two and dad got a little trigger happy at the sale and we ended up with like 10 or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. <laughs> but this red this red we show up with this red calf who's now my red cow. And so we were bottle feeding her and she drove me crazy. All the other, I mean, these calves almost stupidly go crazy for these bottles. I mean, right. be, they just see walk and they're just slobbering and all just Pavlov and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, but this, this cow would, this calf would do almost the opposite. As soon as she see you coming, instead of, you know, start slobbering and ready to go, she heads to the other <laughs> side of the field or the pen where she's at. And I would, 100% of the time, for probably the first three weeks, I would have to go and physically catch her and straddle her neck and back <laughs> her into a corner where she couldn't go So uh-huh. I, and force that bottle in her mouth. And then she would suck. And it took her so long before she would not have to be forced <laughs> to eat. Which, you know, with bottle calves, that's unheard of. Right. Oh, yeah. They come. I mean, they even hear you coming down the road. Here we come. And so she finally, and then and then when I started to wean, all these other ones weaned, and she, and I put them out with all my other cows, these bottle calves, and she was able to figure out how to get a, through the whole winter, 
a couple uh, swigs of milk off other cows. She did. She would just sneak oh. up instead of coming in from the side. She would sneak up straight behind and get a couple a uh, couple pulls from the udder from straight behind where the the mom just thought it was their own calf coming from behind. Extremely resourceful. She's a very resourceful yeah. cow. It's <laughs> a good sign. So I, yeah, I really liked her. That you know that. Do you remember when I I got uh, stomped by those calves and you had to get those stitches? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember <laughs> That's that? That's right. Yeah. So it's kind of embarrassing to say I got stomped by calves. Uh-huh. But she was part of that group. It was a bunch of calves that came in. At, you know, we got it once. And when you're bottle feeding calves, they ne- you never give them enough. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you're Always done feeding more. them, you know, the amount they're supposed to get, they're still rooting at you, trying to get more. And so this group of calves, before I kind of had my system worked out to feed that many at one time, I had fed them all and I was gathering up all of my my feeding supplies and they were they were rooting up around me and you know trying to get more and they kind of got entwined my legs got entwined as they were i mean i tripped and when i hit the ground there was one calf that was a little bit wilder and when i hit the ground it startled him and he jumped and his hoof came down the split in his hooves (laughs) the bridge of my nose went right between it and it made it it all it looked like someone had taken a scalpel and made an incision from the bridge of my nose <laughs> right up down and across the top of my eyes on both sides just completely sliced <laughs> from a little calf this stupid calf. and so he he was i'd say he was probably about 150 he's a little bit older one but so i you know what i remember hit me and it was this black this flash of bright light and i remember the crunching sound because it was right on the bridge of my nose <sighs> I got up and I was so stinking mad, so mad. <laughs> and so I'm gathering my stuff up, you know, just mad. And, and then I start feeling like, like something's running and I wipe away and I look down, my shirt's just covered in blood. <laughs> so I go inside to look in the mirror, just these huge, huge <laughs> like perfect slices. Right. And, and of course, you know, it was, Pen, so their hooves are full of crap. So right. these, I've got these cuts, just full of manure, full of manure, and super deep. And I'm like, ah. So I'm like, just tell Julia, my wife. I'm like, ah, I got to go to the emergency room. I, so I just jump in the car and drive. I didn't even tell her hardly anything. I was so mad. Get the emergency room and there. And so yeah, I had to get, I had to get stitches. But you know, over the next two days, my my eyes almost swelled shut. Two big black eyes. <laughs> Like some crazy little bottle caps. Oh man, it's embarrassing <laughs> to say. You know, some guys get run over by a big bull or something. Right, right. Actually, how many people do you think actually get hurt by bulls? Very rare. Yeah, it's usually a, a mama cow. Yep. And I, th- to tell you the truth, I think the percentage of people that get hurt by calves is way higher than people want to admit. I think I'm one of the only people who actually admit it. No, I. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember. I got kicked by a calf probably been four years ago in the meat of my thigh. Just a calf. And I don't know why, but I just, I couldn't hardly walk for like four days. And you happened to be at the ranch one of those four days and you let me have it so hard because I was just hobbling around. What happened? Oh, I got kicked by a calf. And you're like, <laughs> you just wouldn't let me live it down. But calves don't underestimate the power of a calf. Do you remember the time when I took one right to the, right to the old jewels? The old jewels. I do. <laughs> I do. That was- Again, a calf. I want to say that was your and Weston's fault. Yeah, you guys I, had a hold of that calf. 
we're it need to something need to be done with this calf. And a lot of times, if it's just one calf, you just grab it and throw it down or whatever. Yeah. And you guys had a hold of it. I think, and I it think, got out of your grip. And I ha- I was standing against the fence, uh-huh. and as it as it went running by, I just stepped out to see if I could grab its back leg. And right when I was grabbing for it, it was the perfect timing. <laughs> Did one of those those little double back kicks that they'll do. <laughs> You remember you're remembering it wrong. <laughs> no, this is not happening. And it caught me it caught me straight up from underneath the two of my legs. And it was inst I was so fast. Just went down so fast on the ground. Just curled up. The only thing you're remembering wrong is that it was it was a pretty vivacious, spunky calf. And Weston and I were trying to hold it and it turned loose. I think you made some smart comment about like you guys are, let me show you the way or I'm big and powerful or something like that. And then you went after it and in going after it, I think you realized maybe this calf was a little more than what we all had you know, given it credit for. Here's the thing, <laughs> whatever it was, I didn't even <laughs> hardly down. even make a move on it before I was on the ground. <laughs> you, you may have just turned around and look at it and it ran by and was just like, ha, ha. oh man, I remember it was right against the fence in that calving barn. Oh, here's the thing. I, I truly believe that a lot of groin shots that men take, it's a lot of show. Because you can take one and it's not a, it's, it's an uncomfortable hit, but it's not incapacitating. But mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of exaggeration. It's to pretty it. rare to get a, one to put you down. But if you, if you get a perfectly direct angled hit, it's like instant nausea and on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the cat double kicked me yeah. so fast <laughs> yeah oh man and it all it's just it's it's all it's kind of like the the punching game at the fair it's just it's all about just the right angle it's not necessarily even about the hardest hit it's just <laughs> when you get the bottom edge of those and it's like the pendulum boom like mm, yeah and, and you you definitely gotta there was no there was no acting going on <laughs> You know what? We're bad at a time here, but I'll tell you one, another. When you're talking about, you got that newborn calf that its nose bumped your leg and it bruised it real bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that what happened? Not quite, but yeah, go ahead. That newborn calf thought it was the mom's udder, and it's it it just, bumped your yeah, like your leg and it bruised it real thigh. bad. Ah, just put me out. Um, so that that male shepherd dog that we had Hulk a while mm-hmm. back, we you know we got him out of Kentucky, and when we went to pick him up. The the trainer and his wife, they just had a kid who would come home from the hospital who'd been in a coma for a while mm. from cat scratch fever. And That's not just a song? It, it is a song, but it's a real thing. Amazing. And what had happened is he had uh, gotten scratched by a cat. And then apparently right on top of that scratch, he, he got a bruise. You know, he bumped something, got a bruise. Okay. And... Some the doctors said there's some sort of the stagnation of the blood in that bruise with the bacteria from that cat scratch. It made the cat scratch fever go crazy that put him into a coma. That's crazy. Yeah. I never heard of that. So that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. They just brought him home. He'd, he'd just come out of that. But yeah, cat scratch fever. So remember if you get a cat scratch, take care to clean it if it if you bump it. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. Real crazy. That's nuts. So anyway, 
Well, all right, man. We're out of time. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to jump in. Should we jump right into a trucker's friend? Yeah. I, we, I went through your last video, your latest video. So we'll sign off here and take a quick break and then we'll um, shoot trucker's friend. Um, hey, guys. We appreciate y'all listening. Um, reach out. We read everything. Don't get back to everything. But we do read everything and appreciate appreciate corrections, praise, comments, whatever. We like it all. Mostly praise. Praise. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs>